art, comedy, pop culture, and much more. You're listening to ACPN. Okay, here we go. Something, something, something. Hey, everybody, James Atten. Podcast Rob. It is time for a big episode of Something in Review. Something, something in Review. Cast. This is the 31st film of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Good lord. Yeah, that stat bothered me to to realize that like if you wanted to sit and watch all of them, you're dedicating three to four days of your life, and that's before seventy you hours. Doing, yeah, before you start doing TV shows. Jesus. Yeah. Um, it makes me it, feel even older than I am mm. to think that it was you know more than half of my life ago is when the MCU started. Oh my God! Yeah, that's a sobering pain good night everybody yep thanks for listening (laughs) um we are doing ant-man and the wasp quantumania one of the worst titles they've come up with but you know um going into it i didn't see in theaters i saw it because it's on disney yes Uh, i had i had heard mixed reviews like i hadn't seen anybody go and like, some people really dislike Thor Ragnarok, as you might remember from a previous episode. Uh, um, you mean Love and Thunder? That's the one. And Ragnarok I remember, was a good one. Yeah, Ragnarok was the good one. Love and Thunder is the one that uh, was very hot or cold. Um, didn't see a lot of the, the hot or cold on it. It was just, saw a man in the wasp. So, gonna make leftovers tonight. And, like, that was it. What did you think? Um, This... Was probably, I have seen all 31 Marvel films, either (laughs) in the theater or through streaming. I don't believe there is a MCU movie that I have not seen. Well, so I haven't, okay, let me scratch that. Nobody counts Inhumans. No, no, no. Uh, Well, I mean, not Inhumans. You mean Eternals? That's not it. Yeah. I did see Eternals. I saw that on cable. Um, I still haven't seen, like, sat down and watched Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, Um, Nor have I watched all of uh, Far From Home. Uh, And that's basically because uh, they weren't on any streaming services at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And you don't have Disney right now? I do have Disney now. And now they're on Disney Plus, so. Got it. Um, and as of today, I have not seen Guardians of the Galaxy 3 yet. I will not watch that until it comes out on streaming because mm-hmm. I did not find 2 very entertaining. I will say that that one is getting a lot of the the previews of the ones of that I've seen are very... I saw within two posts, this redeems the second movie and it's the greatest of the three. And I've seen other people go, what the hell was that? Why are we making these movies still? Right. And from people who like comic book movies. But I um, will say that so out of helpful. all of the movies that I have seen, this movie is in my top five most disappointing. Really? Okay. Does that include your expectations, or is this just looking at the films as a whole? Because my expectations were pretty low. <laughs> uh, I mean, my expectations weren't super high. Uh, yeah. I did do a blog like two or three months ago, two or three months ago, about movies I was looking forward to seeing, mm-hmm. um, and this was one of them. But it right. wasn't like you know tapping up the vein. I got to go see this on opening night. This is going to be fucking amazing. Right. I like Jonathan Majors as an actor. And I like the part that he's going to be playing in this based off of what we had seen and what we had uh, been able to predict from Loki season one. Yes. So I was I was looking forward to this. And I have to say, my opinion, 
kind of disappointed on all counts. Okay. I walked in, like I said, you know, expecting very little and just hoping for a good movie. And what I got was pretty much the movie I expected. I didn't hate it. I didn't. I, I mean, I think I walked away going, that was that was a B minus. Um, I think that it was sort of weak on the plot. Bit on the beginning, bit in the middle, bit at the end. Ta-da. Um, I definitely think Marvel needs to start bucking the formula. Like, every one of these movies now needs its big, not even climactic battle. Every movie, I guess all of the movies with heroes need that. They all need that war of some sort. Something that is so visually splendiferous that you know that's where they put their budget. Um, but it felt like, yeah, I I wasn't disappointed, but I didn't go in with much hopes. I kind of walked out going, yeah, the bits I liked, I liked the bits I didn't care about, I didn't care about. So, I have to read you this quote from Owen Gleiberman from Variety. Okay. Said, the film was at once fun and numbing, stating, if this is what Phase 5 looks like, God save us from Phases 6, 7, and 8. Oof. Uh, it has a 47% on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, that's on review. What does it have on audience? On audience? Yeah, because there's there's a reason I ask. Uh, seventy five. So post track reports seventy five percent of audience members gave it a positive score, while sixty percent saying they would definitely recommend it. Metacritic have, uh, is okay. forty eight out of a hundred. On uh, directly on Rotten Tomato right now, like right at the, if you go to that webpage to the actual movie, it's forty seven uh, for review, eighty three for audience on the screen I'm looking at. I mean, IMDb has 6.2 out of 10. Yeah, I guess. And you know what? I think that number's fair. Yeah, I, I mean, 6.2, 6. 6. So here were my biggest beefs with it. Please. Um, number one, Ant-Man is a, in my opinion, and from what the MCU has kind of shown, he's kind of a street-level hero. Okay. Yeah, he has the ability to get small, he has the ability to get big, great, fine, but I look at Ant-Man kind of the way I look at a Daredevil or an Iron Fist. Um, I do not look at Ant-Man in the way I look at Captain America and Iron Man. Much more big picture, for lack of a better phrase, kind of heroes. So for me, when Kang tells Ant-Man, you are out of your league... Mm-hmm. Like that didn't just feel like a Kang to Ant-Man kind of statement. Like to me, I'm just like, you think like the whole movie felt like he should not be here. This should not be the hero that is introducing Kang into the greater MCU movies. Um, the other thing that bothered me about that, that kind of ties into that is because Ant-Man, I look at as more of a street-level kind of hero. I don't feel that the character warrants an entire movie that's a green screen movie. Hmm. It just felt that the scope of the entire thing, and it's, it's kind of ironical because... This was in the quantum realm where they were all like fucking microscopic. Right. And yet the scope of the whole thing just felt way too massive for an Ant-Man character. For me, I see somebody no, doing an that. entire green screen movie. It's a Iron Man. It's a uh, Doctor Strange. It's a, you know, not necessarily Paul Rudd and an Ant-Man character. It just felt the scope of it all just felt way too epic to be carried on the shoulders of that character. Now, let me ask you about that very concept, because mm-hmm. I was trying to figure this out myself. If it wasn't Paul Rudd playing that Ant-Man, and instead it was Michael Douglas playing Hank Pym, would that change your opinion about the character? Because I think 
Because I felt the way you do is that he doesn't feel like he's got that weight, the weight of an Avenger, even as so much as like a Hawkeye, who is not the, he's the, the I would say the weak link um, as far as the powers set goes. I don't think Paul Rudd fits what the big time MCU looks like when you compare it to Chris Evans or even a Chris Pratt or obviously Robert Downey Jr. or the, the people that we've seen. And now, uh, what's her name? Elizabeth Olsen. You know, he just doesn't, the, the character of Paul Rudd's Ant-Man doesn't feel, he doesn't hold that, he doesn't hold the, the stance. He doesn't have the gravitas, I don't think. But I, there's the scene where Michael Douglas at the end comes tromping through and he saved everybody. He's got the thousand ants behind him. Um, and I was like, that, he does. He's fucking Michael Douglas, of course, but like they're just the way he held himself was a, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a fucking superhero. So I, what's, yeah, what's your thoughts on that? Because I want to, I don't see, honestly think if it was Michael Douglas that it would have made a difference for me. Okay. So it's the power set for you. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So you did mention that this is an entirely green screen movie. And I think that was my big eh about it. It felt like, and uh, we'll get to MODOK shortly, but it felt like to me so much of the bulk of the film um, was a lot of like, oh, this is a weird alien. Oh, this has a weird alien power. Oh, this has been exploited for a comical or an action beat. Um felt unnecessarily it didn't feel like i was being given this world to explore and feel good about even like guardians of the galaxy one when you get to the the collector that place you want to like look in the corners for the cool shit this felt let's come up with a bunch of kooky aliens let's make sure we get a couple of them from the comic let's throw them in there and um we can spend 30 minutes going hey look at this weird funky thing which felt, it just felt like wasted CGI ray tracing pixels. Yeah, it's, I mean, you're not wrong. It just felt, to use a, a wrestling term that you and I have are familiar with and have used in the past, it felt like a spot fest. It didn't feel like a, like a, a cohesively good story. It was... Some unnecessarily cool slash funny things that were happening. Um, yep. Like, let's touch on Modoc. Now, I'm not. Oh well. Wow. <laughs> like, I'm <laughs> I'm not a huge comic book nerd about Modoc when it comes to that. Mm -hmm. But I'm fairly fucking certain that in the comic book, Modoc was not the dude who played Yellow Jacket. No, not at all. Yeah, he is Modoc. Um, and I'm not a big fan of Corey Stoltz either. Like, I'm, I can tolerate him if he's on my screen not a huge amount of time. Um, it would have been better to pull the mask up, do the reveal of who it was, and then never do that again. Because the CGI of Corey Stoltz's big fucking misshapen head, like, every time they pulled the mask up so he could be him and talk, I'm just like, yeah. Um, Modoc is the character that when I, back in the day when I would do conventions, like, and you had an artist who was just like, give me a Marvel character. I would say Modoc because he's so preposterous. Right. Like big head in a seat, tiny little legs floating down. I have a really great picture, uh, a couple drawings of Modoc because of this. Um, but he's got this weird misshapen alien head. And when they first reveal that it's <clears throat> um, yellow jacket. It doesn't look like Modoc's face, which is supposed to be this sort of face. looks like Krang. It looks like somebody said, okay, let's take the actor's face in Photoshop. Let's stretch it out and shrink yeah. it down. And that's that. Like the, it's like a, when you got your first 3d program in, 2002 and you started mapping your face to cylinders 
He's like master control compute, master control compute uh, program bad. Um, and it got better later in the movie, and I don't know whether that was by design or I got used to it. But still, I thought it was a bad choice. <laughs> I agree, it was a bad decision. I wanted Modok to be in there because he's so preposterous. It's like wanting Fing Fang Foom because he's just a big dragon with <laughs> underpants. <laughs> but um, like that just felt extra and unnecessary. Um, Bill Murray's cameo hated it. Felt unnecessary. I don't think Bill Murray should do ca- Bill Murray cameos anymore. I think Zombieland like tapped him out. Yeah. I like Bill Murray, and I've loved Bill Murray and Bill Murray things. Absolutely. Now, every time you see him, you see him because, hey, look who we got. We got Bill Murray. He's not playing a character. He's playing Bill Murray. He's not adding any weight to it because he's just Bill Murraying. And he did that perfectly in Zombieland, where the surprise was he was Bill Murray. <laughs> right. Um, when the surprise was not to go back to it, but in Guardians, when it was Benicio del Toro as the collector, he wasn't fucking Benicio del Toro. He was the fucking collector. It just so happened. Oh my god, that's Benicio del Toro. I mean, was he though? Was he what? Benicio del Toro. I don't know. Was it not Benicio del Toro? No, no, it was. But I'm oh, saying, good. like, I thought I got the actor. Wrong. I don't know how much acting actually went into him playing the collector. But t- I also don't know <laughs> how much agree. acting went into Benicio del Toro's character Ever. in, you know. Uh, usual suspects either. Like, I tend to think there was just a lot of, uh, just do some stuff. Yeah. But to the same, I think there was more of a choice made by Benicio del Toro than there was by Bill Murray. Fair. No, 100% fair. Yes. I think that was just yeah. unnecessary. No, I Agreed. And then, um, yeah. The, the other big thing I had an issue with is so this movie's runtime is 124 minutes. So just over two hours. Mm hmm. I felt annoyed at the fact that all of the really big, cool Kang information that we get is 120 minutes into the movie. Yeah. Like, you could have taken that first 120 minutes and gotten rid of it and just showed the mid-credits cutscene because that's the information the audience really needs. He didn't really do anything else the entire movie. It was two hours to introduce a dude that did nothing. We learned more about him in Loki. Agreed, 100%. That felt like a waste of not only Jonathan Majors, but of the character himself. Yeah, the entirety of his story is told after the credits begin rolling because there's two there's the the mid cred stinger and the post movie stinger both of which are about kang both of which are about his journey and next steps as marvels want to do i get that um but i think they they could have put some of that in the midst because it's no longer a teaser for kang First time we see Thanos and he's sitting on the throne and Cletus, I'm bored. You know, and he does the whole Ming the Merciless thing. Um, One shot for the end of the movie. Cool. I want to go see the next movie. Every time afterwards we've seen him, it was, there was like a little bit at the beginning or a little bit at the end, but we didn't have to wait through to the end to see what the hell the next part for Thanos was. And when we finally got his plot, it was in the movie. And there are, they could have just as easily done the bit when we find out who imprisoned Kang and we learn the big secret that it's other Kangs um, before the credits rolled. Right. Now, that leads me to my one big problem. And that is the convenience factor of how they fit this in. Now, I don't know how Feige puts together his plots. I don't know how long they've had Kang on the radar to be the next big bad. Um, But Janet doesn't let, doesn't tell them at all about why they shouldn't be talking to the, to the micro realm. Doesn't tell Hank, doesn't tell anyone. (sighs) Just no, 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 no. I told you not to do that. Yeah, but 
you've met us. Every single time you say don't do something, if we have a good reason to do it, we do it. We turn around and off we go. So why shouldn't we do this? And it takes about an hour for us to get to the heart of why Janet was down there and she fucked up and etc. Um, I disliked the convenience of, well, we didn't know, so now we're in grave danger when it doesn't even feel realistic to a character that went into this microspace and is exploring the microspace and doing microscience with her micro-husband and their micro-kids um, to have not explained there is a civil war amongst the people in the microverse. Please avoid it. There's a despot who's trying to get out. Right. Um, and not only that, but between... What Scott has done in the movies that Scott has been in. What Janet has done in the movies that she's been in. What Hope and Henry have seen from the movies that they've been in. Mm -hmm. At what point do these four big brains go... Well, I'm sorry. So Janet at least was was hip to it. So I'll use the other three big brains in the room. When the daughter goes, oh, yeah, I've just been throwing radio signals into the quantum realm. The three of them collectively came to eh, it could go wrong. Also fair. Yeah, like not one of them was like, hmm. Are we sure that's a good idea? Like maybe we should maybe we should think about this? Not one of them. Janet's like, hey, don't do that. And the rest of them are like, come on, what do you mean no? <laughs> yeah, what could be a problem with opening a door into a world we're unfamiliar with? It's never gone wrong before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's ask New York what they think. <laughs> They've got a sky butthole scar. Um now, I will to to give it praise. Um, I think the chick they have playing Cassie, uh, who will eventually, if they go that route, become stature uh, in a Young Avengers style, is great. I think she has the part nailed. I look forward. I hope they do Young Avengers. Like I again, I have not paid attention to any of this, so I don't know. But I really, I hope they do. She's pretty good. Um, only looking at the post-credits credits bits did I realize that they had replaced uh, the girl between this movie and the last one. Um, they re replaced her quite a bit, actually. Oh, is she, now is this like the third one? Well, I mean, to be fair, it was a different actress playing her as a child. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. In the early movies. But then she was... Just trying to pull it up here real quick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Catherine Newton plays Cassie Lang in this version. In this one, yeah. Um, she was played as a child by Abby Ryder Fortson. And then in Endgame, she was played by Emma Furman, who, I mean, they're saying as a teenager. So I guess here she's supposed to be like, what, in her 20s? Um, um, late teens at the very least. But she wasn't in any of the other previous uh, MCU movies at all. Correct. She was Nor was she in any of the television shows. Yeah. But um, I think she did a great job. I liked her as a character. And as we've slowly but surely built the team of Young Avengers through shows, if you're not aware, Young Avengers is um, the Scarlet Witch's two kids. Those are at least sort of kind of um, a baby Kang... Um, Hawkeye's adopted from the Hawkeye show, and it goes on from there. Um, but Stature specifically is one of them, and she did a good job. Now, one question about Evangeline Lilly. Did they pay her by the word? Because she didn't have a lot of words. <laughs> she was very... I mean, I, I enjoy her as an actress, but she was in that movie and gone scene to scene. It really felt like she was the one with the asking budget 
which is weird when you have Michelle Pfeiffer and Michael Douglas there. She really just didn't. She was there. And then she wasn't. She wasn't necessary, again. though. The only the only yeah. reason she was necessary was at the end to pull Scott's fat out of the fire. And also because the name of the movie <laughs> includes her. Yeah. Um, it would be, it'd be weird for them to not invite her. Apparently, Michael Douglas has said he would be open to returning for a fourth movie if his character was killed off in it. Reasonable. He wants he wants that Robert Downey death money. I he's not going to get Robert Downey death money. No, I think he's, he's just like, look, I'm only coming back if you are guarantee me it is my last one. <laughs> um, I did learn that. This movie, hold on, let me get the full list here. There was three movies that were put together at the exact same time. Um, it was this one. It was, I want to say it was Doc Strange or it was Black Widow. Uh, probably Doc Strange. And The Marvels, uh, which is still to come. And if there's any of the Marvel movies I'm looking forward to of our new uh, phase, it is The Marvels. I'll get there eventually. The Marvels? Will that just pop up for me? It won't. Screw the internet. Anyway, we're going to skip it. Um, But, yeah, I don't... So far, Phase 5, and I can't wholly blame them. They had to deal with the pandemic. They've had to deal with a regroup. And they maybe they're smart and they know to sort of subdue things. But it's... Because it's hard to rally after how what Endgame was. Um, but Doctor Strange was pretty. The Thor movie was okay. This movie was okay. I enjoyed Black Widow more than many people. But blink and you miss it. I think Hawkeye and Ms. Marvel, the TV shows, were and Loki. You know what? Let me just rewind because I also was about to say and WandaVision. I think all of the shows have been better prep for the future of the MCU than the actual MCU. <laughs> so, and here's another take on it. Um, phase 5 is going to consist of Quantumania, Guardians 3, The Marvels, Captain America New World Order, Thunderbolts, and Blade. <clears throat> this is going to be the first Captain America movie... With Sam Wilson in it uh, as Captain America. Um, and I just feel like the first 10 years was a huge buy in because it was all the main characters. Of course. You know? We've expanded those main characters. We've added Spider Man. We've added Black Panther and stuff. But I mean, what drew us in were. You know, the Iron Man, the Thor, the Hawkeye, the Black Widow, the Hulk. Now we're three Kevin Bacons removed <laughs> from the original thing that brought everybody in. Mm -hmm. And some of these characters, just not as interesting as... Robert Downey Jr. playing Iron Man, Chris Hemsworth right. playing Thor, you know, it's so, yeah, there's going to be some, mm, yeah, all right. I mean, I didn't run right out and see this in the theater. I waited until it came out on streaming. I'm going to wait until Guardians comes out on streaming. I'm probably going to wait until all of the rest of them come out on streaming. Maybe I'll go see Blade in the theater. Sure. But that's also very much your jam. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I don't really have the urge or feel the urge that I have to run right out and see these other ones. Yeah. Um, I mean, is there, is there such a thing as superhero fatigue? I don't agree that it's superhero fatigue. I think it is creativity fatigue. Sure. And it's the, viewers and the fans and the moviegoers that are using that phrase as superhero fatigue to explain it. I don't think it's fatigue. I think it's just like you said, like they've, they've got this formula that we don't need to continue doing. Yeah. You know? it's, 
not everybody's first movie needs to be a fucking origin story. It's we we've moved past that. We can do different things with these characters. Um now to speak to the other side of that, looking at the full list of phase 5 here cuz it's uh we have the TV side as well, which is Secret Invasion in the spring. Um I don't know if it's a movie. I think it's our Disney Plus show Echo, which is a Oh, Echo off. is a TV show. Okay. Um it is from uh, uh Hawkeye. Hawkeye. No. Yeah, the yes, yeah. the deaf chick who yep. is Kingpin's she's, from... she's like Kingpin's adopted daughter. Mm-hmm. And she is originally in the comic world, she is from Daredevil. Yep. Um then Loki season two. Getting uh, a season like two Iron... of what if? Uh Ironheart, Agatha, Daredevil Born Again. And like looking at the TV shows, I'm gonna watch every one of those shows fairly quickly. I'm super invested into the idea of um, Secret Invasion and yes. Ironheart and Agatha to see where that story goes. Ironheart, um, I mean, I'll watch it, but I'm not... I'm intrigued to see what they do to try it. Like, I think the, the Winter Soldier and Falcon show did what it was meant to do. It was okay. We enjoyed it for being big action set pieces, but it was the political intrigue stuff, which really isn't okay. Um, I would like to see how they try and advance the the next Iron Man story. Well, that's what intrigues me. And I get it. I just wasn't crazy about the character in Wakanda Forever. Ah, uh, okay. I I felt I it was very shoehorned in. Um, so I don't know how I feel about the TV show. Fair enough. Um, the other thing that kind of bothers me is if you look at Secret Invasion, Loki, and Ironheart, mm-hmm. six episodes. Oh, really? They're all short shortsies, huh? What If is nine episodes, Agatha Coven of Chaos, nine episodes, and Daredevil Born Again, 18 episodes. Well, I mean, now, the Daredevil one I find intriguing because they interviewed... Uh, the lead actor. Yeah, Matt. Matt yeah. Murdock. He doesn't have a real uh, name. Charlie something? Charlie, Charlie Cox. Cox. Um, and even he was like, it's not really a continuation, but it's not really a reboot. Like, in his opinion, it's the same character, just at a different point. And, okay. somebody, and somebody said, in Matt Murdock's life, and he said, maybe? Well, like... He used he used the M word, the multiverse word. He's like, maybe uh-huh. it's a variant timeline. Um, so the thing that like is exciting and yet depressing about that is that we're getting Punisher back in Daredevil: Born Again. That's already been established. We're getting Kingpin back. That's mm-hmm. established. Very well established. We're not getting Foggy, and we're not getting Deborah Ann Wall back. Hmm. And they, in my opinion, were as intrinsic as to the success of that original Daredevil series as Charlie Cox's character was because of the chemistry between them all. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, So it's a little disappointing that they've gotten like, you know, two thirds of the band back together again. I think it, it could be, I'm not saying guaranteed, but it could be amazingly glaring seeing John Bernthal, Charlie Cox and not the rest that made the show fun and exciting. Yeah, I agree to the one point about the interview that they had. I am going to stand with just the big question mark above my head because it's a year away. It's spring 2024. Right. Um, and I don't, I think Charlie Cox, given that he's been now with the, with the Marvel TV cinematic Netflix universe forever, um, is smart enough to not reveal anything. And I would not be surprised if at some point you get a Deborah Ann Wolf or, or Foggy little like a phone call, hey phone cut in scene so we at least know they're alive and they may come back or a teaser at the end of an episode or something just so to like, don't worry, we heard you. You know, something to spank the fans a little bit 
and make them feel better about themselves. Um, the the bit that what I find the one thing I do find very interesting about looking at the Marvel universe is um, Deadpool has a movie coming. And I truly believe by the time we get to the end of Captain America, New World Order, or Thunderbolts, or whatever, whatever the last one officially is, we will be introducing mutants into the to the MCU. Oh, uh, 100%. Like, I know that they've used the word mutant. Ms. Marvel has used the word. It's been teased out here and there. In multi Multiverse of Madness, there was Professor X. Um, but I, I'm sure that... MCU is currently now just holding its collective breath with these, like, let's see who we can rise up, who, which cream will rise to the top out of these characters. Um, because we got phase six nailed. We just got to hire the right Wolverine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because, I mean, we already had the X-Men teased and the Fantastic Four teased in Multiverse mm -hmm. of Madness. Oh, that's true. Fantastic Four was teased forever ago. Yeah, I mean, you had Mr. Fantastic and you had Xavier in Multiverse. Oh, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I meant at, uh, like, San Diego it was teased, as if they, like, had it coming. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing, a little piece of uh, Easter egg trivia. Um, when Janet is explaining why the Quantum Realm looks different from the last time, she apparently uses the phrase subatomica. Okay. Which in the comic books is a specific system within the microverse that was visited by the Fantastic Four. Ah. And it was Reed Richards' name for the microverse. He called it the Subatomica. So that could be like a super deep cut, yet again, tease. Mm hmm. Um, you know what else? On a slightly different tangent what I, that I want to point out. We stopped talking about the movie 20 minutes when ago. When Kang it. has Scott, like, in the force choke up against the wall, I think that's the first time that Paul Rudd has actually looked like 50. Nope. <laughs> really? He just, he, like, I looked at him and I'm like, wow, you know, you look at all these pictures of him, like, he doesn't age, he doesn't age. He looks older. Like, he Fair. definitely looks older. I mean, you can only drink the blood of virgins for so long. Um, I mean, while true, not sure if it was a, a, a good time to start. A good time to stop, I should say. Um, which pick does the, leave me... Pick the wrong week to stop drinking the blood of virgins. <laughs> which does bring me to uh, one last thing that I did have a problem with in the movie, and it was um, something I was thinking, oh, wait, did they explain this? And maybe you can tell me, like, yes, they figured this out, and they answered it, and I missed it because I was doing something else. <clears throat> The sequence in which we have all of the Paul Rudds in the quantum flux thing, um, which kind of funny that they do the World War Z zombie crawl, but it's all Paul Rudds. I thought that was amusing. Anyway, um, they show the bits where the Paul Rudds stand up super tall. They turn into giant man and then they crumble and die because they, you can't do that in the in the subatomic microverse like uh-oh didn't work and head trauma explodey dead next one does it oh it'll work for me oh wait i gotta figure it out and each one does it fine i get the bit later in the movie both cassie and scott do it did at any point in time they explain how they were able to figure it out when no one else was able to nope okay just checking i mean not in the movie they didn't whether or not it was a fucking deleted scene or whatever else. All right, good. I'm, I'm glad I didn't blink and miss it on something obvious. Like, no, no, no. They figured out if you under-trump the troubled flump, you can turn into a 60-foot man. But, all right. Anything else interesting about the MCU or this movie in particular you wish to discuss? No, not really. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to Jonathan uh, Jonathan Majors in more of these movies. I hope uh, as we move forward, they're harder to kill. Because, you know. Um, let's see. Let's do the quick cost $200 million, box office 476 which I'm sure they see as a 
Failure. Uh, it's probably with, it's, I would assume that this is probably within their window of acceptability. Uh, I do not agree with that assessment. Really? Here, let's see. Theatrical. Uh, because it all... It's hard to judge all this shit, though. And, and mostly because the pandemic. I have to assume that, like, they pushed Black Widow back so many times. And I think that was a stronger movie... Um, even though everybody clearly didn't want it for some reason. Um, so it was projected to earn $120 million over the four-day President's Weekend opening weekend. Okay. The following month, it was projected to debut to $105 to $110 million domestically and $280 million globally. The film made $46 million on its first day, including seventeen and a half from the previous Thursday that began at 3. It went on to debut at 106 million, uh, 120.4 over the four-day frame, which is what they projected it to earn, 120 million, uh, making it the best opening of the Ant-Man series and the third best for a February release behind Black Panther and Deadpool. That's impressive. That I didn't know, and I wouldn't. Mm. If you had told me that, I wouldn't believe you. Yeah. Uh, the film's second weekend saw a 69% drop down to $32 million. Whoa, The largest second-week drop-off of any Marvel Cinematic Universal film. In its third weekend, it dropped another 61% to 12.4. Yeah. And what I mean, I that's, that's amazingly similar to... Uh, the blog that I did, um, and if you haven't read it, you can go to somethingcast.com and read it, uh, where I where I mentioned about the the death to the Snyderverse. Yes. Um, they talk about, uh, mentioned Batman versus Superman, uh, set a record for worst opening week Friday to second week Friday decline. Wow. And the worst Friday of opening weekend to Sunday of opening weekend decline since 2015's Fantastic Four. <laughs> Jesus. Now, it's there's I, a hype machine around these movies and people go see them and then go, mm. Mm. like even people, the Twitter was a buzz with people who had seen this movie in the theaters when it was released on Disney Plus who mm -hmm. watched it again. And I can't tell you how many tweets came across my timeline that were, I loved this movie in the movie theater. And then I watched it on Disney Plus and thought, wow, was I wrong? Okay. Like, there's a lot of people who on second viewing, because it was free this time, were just like, yeah, I think I was just caught up in the hype machine because this really isn't that good of a movie. Now, just to, to give perspective, to go back, uh, 2015, Ant, the original Ant-Man cost, uh, I'm going to use the top number because I don't know why what the difference is, uh, $170 million made 520 Ant-Man and the Wasp cost roughly the same amount, $195 million, made 622 This one, $200 million, just four hundred seventy made four hundred seventy six. Yeah, the profit With, is just a lot percentage wise a lot less. A lot less. However, sixth highest grossing film of twenty twenty three. Yeah, like, and that's my question. That's my big sort of. I don't know, and I'm sure there's some financier with movies that knows this shit down to the penny. That the difference between Ant Man twenty fifteen and now is Disney Plus, and you know it's coming there, and. We don't go to mo I, the movie theater industry is eh, nowadays. So, like, I don't know what percentage that subtracts from it. Because I know you and me, to use that angle, are the type of people that, unless it's a movie we're super aching to go see, we're watching it at home. And then, on top of that, like, theaters ain't doing great. Um, now, here's some here's some interesting uh, 2023 movie facts and it's 
it's intriguing to see which movies have been out for a while and which movies are still pretty kind of brand new. These are the top 10 highest grossing films of 2023. Number 10, Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Worldwide gross so far, just under $220 million. Number 9, Boonie Bears Guardian Code. Course, what the fuck? Never even fucking heard of it. 2023 computer animated science fiction comedy film. It's the ninth film in the Boonie Bear series. Never (laughs) fucking heard of it. Oh my god. $221 million. Number eight, Creed 3, $274 million. That's been out for a hot minute. Yeah. Number seven, John Wick Chapter 4, $428 million. Pretty big jump from Creed 3 to John Wick 4. Ant-Man of the Wasp Quantumania, number six, at $476 million. Fast X just came out this weekend, $513 million worldwide. Fair. Number four, The Wandering Earth, Chinese science fiction action-adventure movie, $604 million. Number three, Full River Red, historical comedy thriller uh, directed by Zhang Yimou, Chinese New Year movie. $673 673 million dollars. Number 2, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, 731 million dollars. And the number 1 grossing movie of 2023 so far, Super Mario movie. Oh, that makes sense. At 1 billion 278,000. Uh 1 billion 278 million. Yeah. Um Super Mario Brothers first video game, first film based on a video game. To gross a billion dollars worldwide. Mm-hmm. Highest grossing non-Disney animated film. Uh, highest grossing opening for a video game adaptation. Biggest five-day opening weekend. Highest grossing video game movie of all time, surpassing Warcraft. Wow. Jesus. That was the next down? Yeah. Uh, highest grossing animated film, surpassing Minions Rise of Gru. Uh, however, with Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, Marvel Cinematic Universe became the first film franchise to gross $29 billion. I mean, it's also... Which is pretty insane when you think about it. I mean, it, yes, I get it is, that they've been doing... This is the 31st movie. That's, that's the balance, yeah. But... You know, sure, uh, sure the food's bad, but man, there's so much of it. Um, not to say, you know what I mean, but you know, my numbers issue about the pre pandemic and post pandemic really just sort of falls off to the side because people are going to the movies. I'm just not one of them. Um, the fact that super Mario is the number one movie doesn't surprise. It's an all, it's an all ages movie, all ages movies that they earn their money just because, you know, they're an all ages movie. It's franchise that. Everybody is wanted to do well. It's got a great cast. Whether or not you like Chris Pratt. Um. So, okay, so I want to compare two things real quick. Because when I read that $29 billion, um, I immediately thought of two things. So I'm just pulling up real quick. Please. I have holes. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was just quoting the movie. Uh, that is not. Come on, I want the whole thing. Series, maybe? Wow. Wow. Okay. So. 31 movies, right? $29 billion, it said, right? Mm-hmm. There are 26 James Bond movies. Okay. They have made a total of $7 billion. And how many, and what was the number that MCU did? $29 billion. Okay. The next one I thought of, obviously a lot less movies, but Harry Potter franchise. Sure. Harry Potter franchise printed fucking money. Yes. 
eight and billion. it had eight. Well, and how many eight billion said? Eight billion. Okay. Snyder cut DCU thirty dollars. <laughs> but I like I look. I'm like thirty one movies. Like Bond's got to be up there at almost thirty. Like how close are they? Yeah, not, not not even. Because those movies are such a are such a wrangle of weirdness. Like some sometimes those movies were hot, but other times they weren't. You know. And when those got when those movies got panned, they got panned. I think there's still spectacle in any MCU movie. Oh sure. Um, I think Ms. Marvel two will have the internet gatekeeping assholes chomping at the bit to to shit on it, whether or not it's a good movie or not. But it's still gonna. You know, be in the top ten for the year. So, folks out there in something land, did you enjoy Ant Man? Oh, what? There's more. What? Nope. Sorry. I was gonna say, what did you think of Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania? Yes. Tell us your entire... thoughts, James. Yeah. Or uh, what you think of the uh, Phase Five? I'm sure we'll do an episode on it eventually. Where um, can people they, find us? They, I was getting there. They can go to somethinghas.com. It's the repository of all things something. It's where you can go and you can find out what Rob and I are doing. You get a blog every week that now you get an audio version. Um, and you could, could, could buy etched glass or vinyl or, or find out who our friends are. Or go find out other places you can listen to our show and listen to it there too. Or tweet us at ststcast.twitter. That said. Wasn't too bad. Yeah, I, I know where we are. I just have a hard time remembering it. <laughs> are there any other shout outs you want to do for for anybody else? Any other any other associated uh, friends, podcasts, websites, anything you want to throw out there? Nothing at the moment, but if it comes up, I will uh, I'll clip it in. I would like to throw out a quick shout out. Always. If I could. Um, I would encourage all of our listeners to head over to talesoftheforgotten.com. Um, it is a website from, uh, Crystal Storm, who you might know from, uh, a creator spotlight episode that we did a few months ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, she also was a judge on one of our, uh, elevator pitch episodes. Um, she was the uh, creator of the audio drama Star Wars Legacy, which featured both myself and my co-host James Hatton. Uh, they have decided to start their own website, their own community called Tales of the Forgotten, um, and they are doing multitudes upon multitudes of audio dramas. Uh, they have a vampire one that just dropped that is a uh, member only. If you go to Tales of the Forgotten, you can join their community and uh, help them crowdfund future shows. Uh, gets you all of the exclusive episodes you can only find on the website. Uh, they also do a Tales After Dark. They do have a fairy tale for adults one that the, that is in the middle of being released. Um, but if you are into radio drama and audio drama and really cool voice acting and amazing independent storytellers and strong female characters, I urge you to head over to TalesOfTheForgotten.com. Check them out. Give them a listen. Yes. Do that. Brilliant. Yes. No, that was good. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> thank you all for listening. We will see you guys next week with another wonderful Something Guest episode. I'm James Hatton. I'm Podcast Rob. Thank you all for joining us. Later. Something, 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 something. Okay, here we go.